More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My friends at MyPillow, my buddy Mike Lindell told me he was coming out with a brand new product. It's called the New Mattress Topper. So I got the New Mattress Topper immediately, and I've been sleeping on it now for a couple of months. It's the best thing you've ever felt in your life. Now, you literally have MyPillow Foam for Support. It's a transitional foam that helps relieve pressure points, and it's ultra-soft, patented temperature, regulating cover. And i got to tell you, it has a 10-year warranty, a cover that's washable and dryable. It's made in the USA, backed by their 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee. Once you try this new mattress topper, you put it right over your mattress, you will never sleep better. And right now, you, my radio listeners, you're going to save 30% off when you go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code TOPPER. And by the way, Mike will also give you two standard MyPillows absolutely free. All right, so try MyPillow.com promo code TOPPER, promo code TOPPER for this great deal and the best night's sleep you ever had. Hey, it's that time of year for those of you, God forbid, you got to keep your New Year's resolution. What if you're a timeshare owner and you want to get out of your timeshare? Maybe that's at the top of your list or maybe you made a bad investment over the years. It doesn't matter. Let not your heart be troubled because the new year is also a reminder that you can get serious about getting rid of this timeshare and doing it right and doing it legally. And Lone Star Transfer is absolutely an amazing group of people. From beginning to end, I highly recommend if you have any type of time. Timeshare. I want you to contact Lone Star and tell them I told you to call. They'll give you a free no obligation consultation and they'll help get you out of your timeshare. They'll do it the right way, the legal way, and it will take very little effort on your part just by calling pound 250 on your mobile phone and saying the keyword timeshare. That's pound 250 on your cell phone, keyword timeshare. You can check them out online at lonestartransfer.com. You have the option to receive a one-time auto-dialed text message from iHeartMedia. All right, happy Monday, and if you want the border wall, this is the week that you better engage. The president headed uh, for a town hall in El Paso tonight, Texas. Wherever the wall has been built, you look at the numbers, and it's dramatic. And I know because I've been down there. And we're going to get into all of that in the course of the program today. The Democratic Party now has a huge, massive 
anti-Semitism problem. They have a huge problem as they push their radical extreme ideas like, oh, uh, abortion, even during the birthing process or even after if you support Governor Northam. Now we have more states trying to do what they tried to do in Virginia, what they did do in New York. And of course, Senate Democrats won't even protect babies born alive uh, after a botched abortion. I actually had uh, a young woman on this program on Friday. And she, she was actually on TV. I saw her and two other people on Fox and Friends this morning that survived botched abortions. It happens. You know, when did this party become that radical? This is now the party of 70 to 90 percent tax rates. Yeah, Melissa Oden. 90, 70 to 90 percent tax rates. This is now a radical extreme party that wants to nationalize pretty much every aspect of our economy. That means energy. That means, uh, let's see, education, health care. Look at the proposals for health care. Now we got Cory Booker joining Kamala Harris. It was, by the way, in the open, that was Kamala Harris admitting she smoked pot on a morning show this morning. Um, but they want to now eliminate all private insurance. Well, what happens? Well, that was Gillibrand about the pot. That was... All right. Well, anyway, let me keep my focus here. Um, they want to nationalize health care, want to nationalize and stop all energy production. It's the lifeblood of our economy. And they're going to build high speed trains everywhere. And they're going to provide everything for everybody. You know, let me start by just reminding you how good this Trump economy is. Now, the president in the daily tracking poll of Rasmussen is up nine points in 10 days. He's now a 52 percent approval rating. Seventy two percent of Americans agree with his policy on immigration. So the president now literally is soaring to his best numbers in 23 months. Don't think that this is in any way disconnected from what the Democrats are offering. This this Democratic Party is not your father, your grandfather's Democratic Party. This is a new, radical, extreme Democratic Socialist Party. And we'll go through the details. So the president has his best approval ratings. I thought this was the best news I saw all day. In Birmingham, Alabama, U.S. Steel Corporation, it's an offshoot of a Pittsburgh company, they're going to now restart construction of an idled manufacturing facility in alabama and it gave it they gave a lot of the credit to donald trump and his trade policies in an announcement they made they said trump's strong trade actions are partly responsible for the resumption of work on an advanced plant near birmingham the pittsburgh-based company said in a statement the administration's tariff because we're now demanding fundamental fairness the president is not a protectionist President never wanted trade wars, but how did we get a better deal with Mexico and Canada? Because the president's threat is real. And if they don't believe that your threat is real, then they're not going to negotiate, especially a deal that has been one-sided and in their favor for decades. And the same thing with NATO. You know, we're paying 72 cents of every dollar, and then Angela Merkel is, you know, helping Russia get rich again signing off the lifeblood of their economy on the, you know, maniacal, hostile regime of Vladimir Putin. How dumb is that? 
That's the other thing about, you know, we're now on the verge of literally, we now have surpassed our biggest energy production ever. And we are now the biggest producer of oil on the planet, surpassing Russia and the Saudis even. How do you think the Saudis got so rich? Free flow of oil at market prices. How many times have we had foreign entanglements Entanglements that if you really get to the bottom of it, it's about free market flow of energy, the lifeblood of every economy. And now we discover between the energy, the oil we have, we have more nat- we have the Saudi Arabia of natural gas in the world. We have more natural gas and the means to extract it more than ever before. We have two pipelines on track now, the Keystone Pipeline, North Dakota Pipeline. Those jobs are now in the pipeline of being created. Now we've got Anwar. The president's opened up that, as he promised to do. So we're going to have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of high-paying career jobs for Americans that will be all but destroyed if this new radical, extreme Democratic Socialist Party you know, and their green energy false promises takes foot, gets a foothold in America. By the way, look at this headline, Washington Examiner. Boom. Best economic optimism in 16 years. 50% better off under Trump. By the way, who would that 50% better off be? I, I think it would be African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth, uh, youth employment, veteran employment, because we've hit record lows in all of those areas, including 5.3 million new jobs created since the president's been elected. Another 600,000 in manufacturing that Obama said were never coming back. We have a Gallup poll showing America's confidence in their finances just keeps growing. You know, looking ahead, do you expect at this time next year you'll be financially better off than now or worse off than now? Oh, 69% better off, 16% worse off. That's called consumer confidence. Now, the president, I'm look, I think the president has had it. We've had to watch this weekend. That and, and there was a sheriff warning that America's sheriffs are warning that Congress all weekend long. There's been this backroom deal by the institutional establishment figures in Washington on the president's February 15th deadline. All right. That's four days from now. And they're all warning, you know, that they, and this is what the deal would entail. Well, maybe we'll give the president a little less than two billion for the wall. Not what he's asking for. And then. This is what Congress is now debating. They're proposing a deal that would institute a ceiling on the number of illegal immigrants that U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement can detain. Now, according to letters sent to the House and Senate, the National Sheriff's Association and the major county sheriffs of America... They claim that if a vice is forced to release detainees, over 8,300 criminal illegals would be sent to the streets and potentially lost in the system once again. These are already, not only did they enter the country illegally, but they also, they also committed crimes while here. Now, the brokered agreement would mandate that ICE can hold no more than 16,500 people at a time. 
Now, we've chronicled 4,000 homicides, 30,000 cases of sexual assault, 100,000 uh, violent assault incidents. Okay, well, what happens if the 16,501 person that you're no longer able to detain, well, maybe is being charged with something horrific like rape or attempted murder or something terrible? So you're going to cap the number of detention beds that ICE can actually use? Well, that jeopardizes every American because you're talking about people that have committed crimes, well, be criminal aliens that we know have committed crimes. I mean, you, know, you look at this is, you know, what the radical Democratic Party want. There's a Gallup survey. It found that 42 million residents of Central and South America, if they could, would migrate to the U.S. There's no shortage of people that want to come here. You know, there are 33 countries in Latin America and the Caribbean, 450 million adults in the region. Would you like to move to another country permanently if you could? Yeah, 27 percent. Yeah. So 120 million people would like to migrate somewhere. Next question. Where would you like to move? Of those that want to leave Latin American countries permanently, 35 percent say they want to come here. Gallup Analytics estimate that it's 42 million that want to come to the U.S. Now, I don't blame them. I think we take for granted the system of liberty and freedom that is created even for the poorest of Americans. A lot of poor Americans have big TVs and refrigerators and freezers and washers and dryers and, you know, hot and cold running water and a shower. Not idea. I'm not talking about I'm talking about that. Poor people in other countries don't have what poor people in America have. Any port, when I didn't have any money, I could buy a car for 200 bucks, fix it up myself, and drive it, and it works, you know, pretty, I did really well on a lot of deals like that. 350 bucks a car. You can get it. We're so wealthy that, you know, when things get old looking, we get rid of it pretty quickly. But I think the president has no choice. This is going to be our battle this week. It begins tonight. Actually, the president's speaking at the start of my show, I think, at 9. We'll carry a lot of that speech. But we're now on pace to have the the worst year since the building spree in 2007. People are trying to get in here as quick as they can. And I will tell you, I think Lindsey Graham is right. All of these Republicans that are pathetically weak, that if they don't get out there and fight, this is what the American people want and deserve. We deserve safety and security. That's what the president's fighting for, safety and security. The president's fighting life and death. You know, if 90% of our heroin comes in across that border, now add fentanyl to the mix, and then you add cartels and gang members, MS-13, and other violent criminals, all we're asking is come in legally. Give us an opportunity to vet who you are and show us that you'll be able to take care of yourself so that, on average, the American People don't have to pay the bill for 70,000 new people every year. So that's the battle of the week. And that's going to start tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern. We'll have it on Hannity. Um, This party is so out of touch. Well, we're going to chronicle all of that. And, oh, by the way, did you hear what the governor of, of the Commonwealth of Virginia referring to slaves as indentured servants? Did you hear that? We'll play later. We'll get that tape. 800-941-SHAW. Oh, and then the anti-Semitism. 
running rampant in the Democratic Party, out of control rampant. All right, so with only three days left until Valentine's Day, it seems like everybody's selling bouquets, drugstores, supermarkets, you name it. Now, that special someone deserves the best, and that's why every Valentine in your life, well, you need to order from My Rose Authority, 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, you can get 18 red roses for $29.99, or you can upgrade 24 assorted roses plus a vase for 10 bucks more. An amazing offer from 1-800-Flowers, 18 red roses, $29.99, or upgrade to 24 assorted roses plus a vase for 10 bucks more. You pick the delivery date, let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. And when it comes to Valentine's, don't settle for anything less than 1-800-Flowers.com. So to order 18 red roses, $29.99, upgrade to 24 assorted roses and a vase for 10 bucks more, just go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash Hannity. 1-800-Flowers.com slash Hannity. This offer expires today. Well, it has been a a difficult week. And, and, you know, if you look at Virginia's history, we're now uh, at the 400-year anniversary, uh, just 90 miles from here uh, in 1619. The first uh, indentured servants from Africa landed on our shores in Old Point Comfort, what we call now Fort Monroe. And while... Also known as slavery. Yes. Oh, what did he say? Indentured servitude? Yeah, that's called slavery. You know, I I just, you got us just sit back and imagine if a Republican says this. But I'm just going to stay in my position here. It's not a big deal. Uh, And same with, I, I don't hear a lot of people saying I believe as it relates to the lieutenant governor either. Lieutenant governor, of course, you know, now accused of rape when he was back in college. This is the second And the woman told people that have come forward and verified she had told people at the time. Far more severe cases than that which Judge Kavanaugh and everyone was racing in the Democratic Party to say they believe. This is now, look, when you add up, they don't want to secure the border, open borders. You know, they want to eliminate ICE. They're saying it as Ocasio-Cortez says. And she actually said this is their... they don't need to immigrate. There's, there's, it's their native peoples or something to that effect this weekend. Then you've got the new Green Deal, which is going to 100% we're going to wean ourselves off of all energy and oil. Every home is going to be rebuilt. Every commercial building. Everyone is going to be guaranteed a job with a sustaining wage and, and family and medical leave. Everyone's guaranteed vacations, retirement. Now we're going to guarantee college and trade schools and guarantee healthy food. God only knows what you'll be eating. Guaranteed. Then we're going to have Medicare for all. Guaranteed high-quality health care. Yeah, the promises of Obama really came out well. Everyone is guaranteed housing. Everyone is guaranteed an environment free of monopolies, meaning we're going to nationalize every industry, especially the energy industry. And uh, by the way, that even though they're now backing off the if guaranteed economic security for all who are unable or unwilling to work, what are they going to do? Take the house away if somebody says they hurt their back and there's no medical basis for it? Um, that's a problem. And then we got a big anti-Semitism problem within the Democratic Party. This is now your radical, extreme, democratic, socialist party. This is now pulled so far to the left. All it's doing is helping the conservative movement. Compare the Trump success versus the Obama failure. Let's start there.
Hey, if you're one of 34 million Americans that smokes, you know what a hassle it can be. For me, I'm out playing golf and I come back smelling like cigars. It's the smell on your hands and your breath, your clothes. But now thanks to Juul, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Juul is a vaporizer. It does contain nicotine for a satisfying transition. Now, when I found Juul, it was a complete game changer in my life. I don't smoke any cigars any longer, and Juul was designed by smokers for smokers to be an alternative to whatever it is you're smoking. So if you're one of 34 million adults who do smoke cigars, cigarettes, pipe, whatever, well, there is an alternative to all of them. Now, to discover the smoking alternative, that's like nothing you've ever tried. Just visit J-U-U-L dot com slash Switch America. That's J-U-U-L dot com slash Switch America. Now, warning, this product does contain nicotine, and nicotine is addictive. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. I got something from uh, Mike Lee. All right, hang on. I got something from Mike Lee that I think can help the president as it relates to this national emergency. And um, it's pretty incredible. Um, hang on, just let me write somebody. Uh, uh, and anyway, so he's been doing some reading. He found this law, 10 U.S.C. 284-B7. All right, doesn't mean anything to you when you say it that way. And others also feel that this is among the best potential source of executive authority to build a wall and hang on one more one more thing blah 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 okay uh it's important you have kids you got to say you got to answer all right um the purposes for which the secretary this is now the types of support for agencies of the united states the purposes for which the secretary may provide support under subsection a for other departments or agencies, federal government or a state, local or tribal law enforcement agencies are the following. Now, listen, Section 7, construction of roads, fences and installation of lighting to block drug smuggling corridors across the international boundaries of the U.S. By the way, it's cross-reference subsection A, 10 U.S.C. 284A, support of other agencies. The Secretary of Defense may provide support for the counter drug activities or activities to counter transnational organized crime or of any other department or agency of the federal government or of any state. That means a state could actually do this and the president can help them local tribal or foreign law enforcement agency for any purposes set forth in subsection BC as applicable if in the case of support described in subsection B, such support is requested. Well, governor could request it. What about Governor Abbott? Uh, A, by the official who has responsibility, meaning I guess that would be Kirsten Nielsen, uh, for counter-drug activities or activities to counter transnational organized crimes. We got cartels. We got MS-13 gangs. Uh, we have 90% of the country's heroin coming in that way. Uh, to counter transnational organization, organized crime of the department or agency of the federal government in the case of support for other departments or agencies of the federal government, or B, by the appropriate official of a state, local, tribal government in the case of support for state, local, or tribal law enforcement agencies. Two, 
In the case of support described in subsection C, such support is requested by an appropriate official of the department or agency of the federal government in coordination with the secretary of state that has counter drug responsibilities or responsibilities for countering transnational organized crime. The theory would, of course, be, you know, about walls or fences to block drug smuggling corridors across international boundaries of the U.S., and it says, I can't imagine that the president, you know, uh, I don't maybe the fence part of it he doesn't like. But certainly, you know, you can define fence any way you want, can't you? You know, some people have big walls as fences. And you can't tell me that there's a, a stiff, rigid definition of what a fence is. Well, what if the fence is 50 feet high? Just say. Also, you have 60 uh, U.S. sheriffs now storming the Capitol to demand funding for the border wall today. This is now the battle. This is going to be the battle of the week. This is, you know, one side of this battle is for safety and security. One side of this battle is against the cartels. One side of this battle is against the gangs. One side of this battle is against heroin, 90% of which comes across the southern border. What is the other side fighting for? That they hate Trump because they all supported the border wall just a couple of years ago when their guy was president and they were willing to fund it. Well, to me, that's playing politics with people's lives. At what point do they become culpable for what happens at that southern border? And then we're going to have this idiotic policy. If you get 16,500 beds for, for criminal aliens, that's it. Uh, what if you need 18,000? What if you need 20,000? Now, as it relates to, you know, all of this information on national emergencies, which we've gone over in the past, well, there have been at least 30 national emergencies in effect this year from past administrations, you know, declared national emergencies under the National Emergencies Act, currently in effect as of February 1st, 2019. And it goes, you know, this is by President Carter, Clinton, this president, Obama, George W. Bush. Wait a minute. What happened? I mean, they're allowed to declare national emergencies. They're the only ones. President is making these proclamations. Yeah, they made a ton of them in a lot of areas. We our our troops can build fences and borders. There's a lot by Obama. Blocking property of certain persons contributing to the conflict in Somalia. Oh, okay, executive order. Blocking property prohibiting certain transactions related to Libya. Yemen. Blocking property of transnational criminal organizations. That's all under Obama. Blocking property of persons threatening the peace, security, stability of Yemen. Oh, what about the stability of the United States? What are the Democrats fighting for here? They're fighting for to screw Trump. That's it. Not built on principle. Now the question is, I think my, my prediction is, look, we're four days away. This idea being negotiated with little money for border security, and we're going to limit the number of criminal, illegal immigrants that ICE can keep, keep and hold to 16,500. That is just that's you can't come up with some random number on these things and think that that's going to keep the American people safe and secure. It doesn't work. 
You know, it's really fascinating to watch the reaction. You know, here you have, we're going to ban all of America's natural resources for the first time we're beginning to use, the lifeblood of every economy on Earth. Now, do you think if this new Green Deal goes through, do you think China, Russia, Europe, look what happened in France as an example. You know, do you think they're going to ban fossil fuels in 10 years? They're not. Eliminate even nuclear energy. We don't even have that option. They're banning cars. Well, we're going to have charging stations and drive up in our little Prius box. I don't want to drive a Prius box. You know, get, um, we're going to gut and rebuild every building in America. Yeah, good luck with that. Start with the Freedom Tower. That'll take 10 years alone. What, are you going to retrofit it? Gut it? It's ridiculous. Eliminate air travel. But we're going to replace it with high-speed trains. What, to Europe? High-speed trains to Australia, New Zealand? High-speed trains where? To China? Can't wait when I'm going to Vietnam in two weeks. I'll take a high-speed train. Um, They ought to be able to build that really quick. You know, we're going to get rid of cow flatulence. I guess that means the end of no more steak. Might have to stock up for the rest of your life, figure out if you have one steak a day every day, plan your life expectancy. You go beyond that. This is a party that is now imploding before your eyes. And their presidential candidates are supporting it. Booker went berserk, exploding. The Green New Deal is the same as fighting Nazis. Our planet is in peril, and we need to be bold. It's one of the reasons why I signed on to the resolution, I co-sponsored the resolution for the Green New Deal. And there's a lot of people now that are blowing back on the Green New Deal. They're like, oh, it's impractical. Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, it's all of this. If we used to govern our dreams that way, we would have never gone to the moon. God, that's impractical. You see that ball in the sky? That's impractical. And when the planet has been in peril in the past, who came forward to save Earth from the scourge of of Nazi and totalitarian regimes? We came forward. Who came forward to save the planet from, or, or, or continents, from financial ruin? We came forward with the Marshall Plan. Our history is standing up and saying, look, humanity is in crisis. America is going to be light and the hope. He's lost his mind, but so is the entire party. This whole Green Deal is a... a Democratic Party, this is now the new socialist, extreme, radical Democratic Party. And Ocasio-Cortez is leading the way. You know, this, on the surface of it, you would think this is a caricature by of conservatives, of liberals, and socialists. But it's not. The problem is, this is real for them. The problem is, this is what they want. Like, you know, listen to Elizabeth Warren, the wealth tax issue. You know, she makes her big announcement this weekend that she's running, but she also wants a wealth tax. You know, we've got more extreme Democrats. Listen to this. Listen to some of you have this proposal today. It's a wealth tax. It's very interesting. It's not it's not income. Right. So incomes are flows. Uh, You know, everyone money coming into people a year. And that's usually how we tax things. So the way that this is written is to say, first of all, going to tax all your assets wherever located around the globe. So if you were planning to move them to Switzerland or some island, doesn't make any difference. They are all gonna be taxed. All your assets, wherever located, and we're gonna keep counting. 
and you're going to have to pay if you have more than $50 million in assets. This is the ultra-rich. There's an element where, yeah, there, people are going to have to start paying their fair share in taxes. Do you have a specific on the tax rate? Once you get to, like, the tippy tops, uh, on your 10 millionth dollar, uh, sometimes you see tax rates as high as 60 or 70 percent. That doesn't mean all 10 million dollars are taxed at an extremely high rate, but it means that as you climb up this ladder, you should be contributing more. My legislation establishes a 45 percent tax on the value of an estate between 3.5 million and 10 million, a 50 percent tax on the value of an estate between 10 million and 50 million, a 55% tax on the value of an estate in excess of 50 million, and a 77% tax on the value of an estate above $1 billion. Above $1 they, billion. They just want to take everything you've got and redistribute it so that they can gain power for this pipe dream of theirs and, and destroy they will destroy America as we know it. It will no longer be about freedom and opportunity and risk and reward and capitalism. No, everything's going to be guaranteed. These are all false promises that they make. You give us power, we're going to give you a guaranteed, uh, guaranteed housing, guaranteed health care, guaranteed job, Guaranteed college, guaranteed trade school, guaranteed health care, all guaranteed. At what quality? When has government ever done these things right? Sounds great. By the way, now they have a big, uh, finally, Congresswoman uh, Pelosi called out House Democrats for these anti-Semitic outbursts. And uh, remember, Congresswoman Omar using anti-Semitic, you know, Things in the past that we've we've called her on Uh, Congresswoman's Omar's use of anti-Semitic tropes and presidential accusations about Israel supporters is deeply offensive. We condemn these remarks and call upon Congresswoman Omar to immediately apologize for these hurtful comments. But this is now going even further. Now we find out that Congresswoman Tlaib, she's the one that said, what did she say about Trump in that viral video? MFR? Yeah, impeach the MFR. Anyway, she wrote an op-ed for The Final Call. That's Farrakhan's magazine, his publication, and authored a column while working as uh, an advocacy coordinator for the Arab Community Center for Economic and Social Services. Well, and anyway, she was described as a guest columnist arguing against deporting immigrants found guilty of minor offenses. And she described herself as the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam, The Final Call, Well, that's uh, Louis Farrakhan's website. She's also come under fire for her ties to other anti-Israeli radicals and her support of the Israeli uh, anti-Israel boycott, divest sanction, and other instances. And then uh, Omar's APAC tweet, you know, even Chelsea Clinton condemned that. And Democratic leaders, they have an anti-Semitic problem now in their party. How are they going to deal with this over time? Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, and we're going to eliminate health care for 170. Private health care is gone, according to not only Kamala Harris, now Kirsten Gillibrand has gotten into the 
that mess as well. Uh, you campaigned on access to Medicare. You signed on to Bernie's bill for yeah. a single-payer plan. Yeah. Um, one of the debates we've had recently is around what happens to private insurance. Should ending private insurance, as we know it, be a Democratic Party goal? And do you think it's an urgent goal? Oh, yeah. It is a goal and an urgent goal. All right, listen, we'll come back. We'll continue. Jay Sekulow is going to analyze this new radical, extreme Democratic Socialist Party. No one should feel unsafe in your home, period. Now, fear has no place in a place like home. It's that simple. Well, that's been simply Safe's mission from day one. Now, you may have seen their commercial about it during the big game this year. And that's why Simply Safe was designed to blanket your entire home with protection. That means around the clock professional monitoring, making sure police are on the way if and when you may need them. The system is completely wireless and simply safe security sensors they're tiny blending it with your home so you won't even notice them now the verge calls simply safe the best home security and it's wire cutters top pick simply safe now has millions of americans that they are protecting and you know what it feels good to fear less protect your home and you'll get 10 percent off as a sean hannity show listener also you get free shipping on any system order just by going to simply safe.com slash sean to get started that's simply safe.com slash sean on, you get 10% off your home security protecting you and your family. SimplySafe.com slash on. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. 800 941 Sean if you want to be a part of the program. All right, as I've been saying, this move to the extreme radical Democratic Socialist Party has never seen anything like it. And if you go back to this new Green Deal, remember, everything's for free. They're going to nationalize the entire economy. And that includes energy. That includes health care. That includes education, every aspect of your life. And everybody's going to be guaranteed a job, a certain wage, medical leave, vacations, retirement security. We're going to retrofit every house in America, rebuild every house, commercial building. Uh, now, if you think education has been bad up to this point, now they're even going to take over free college for everybody. And free, you know, clean air and water and and access to healthy food. Uh Uh-oh. And we're going to get rid of cows and airplanes in the process. And it's going to be everyone gets free housing, safe and affordable, economic security for all who are unable or unwilling to work. Now, all of a sudden, when people started reading this this Green New Deal, wasn't working out very well, and an advisor for Ocasio-Cortez actually went on with Tucker Carlson and said the following. Let's listen. Why would we ever pay people who are, quote, unwilling to work? Uh, I, we, we never would, right? And, and AOC has never said anything like that, right? I think you're referring to some sort of a document that some, I think some doctored document that somebody other than us has been circulating. Oh, I thought that came right from her. That was in the background or from her office is my understanding. No, no. She- because this seemed like we were making news on the show. Mm. The unwilling to work thing was in her backgrounder. That has no, been absolutely no, confirmed. No, you're no, saying no. Definitely, no. De- definitely not. Definitely not. Okay, so NBC and lots of other news outlets are saying that that was in the background and you're saying it's fraudulent. That's erroneous, right? Now, there might be new details now that you know about that I don't because I've been doing media all day, but the story all day... Yeah, I don't... I I think that was actually in the document. I I read it as it came out. Well, it's the wrong wrong document, Tucker. Okay, now they, they took it down because everyone started laughing at how extreme they are, but uh, it's about nationalizing the economy. 
Ocasio-Cortez now also saying over the weekend Latinos can't be illegals because they're descendants of native people. She also and Elizabeth Warren want the rich to pay a lot more. Elizabeth Warren wanting the health tax. Ocasio-Cortez a 70 percent tax rate, which will destroy all business in this country and everyone will pull their money out. And uh, and, it, and it goes on from there and eliminate ice. And it goes on from there. And you see this fan base now growing step by step. Cory Booker, he's bought into the new Green Deal. Kamala Harris and Kirsten Gillibrand, they want to get rid of any private health care insurance. We're going to nationalize the health insurance industry. Forget about Obamacare's failure. You know, keep your doctor, keep your plan and pay less. How did that work out? Well, now when it's Medicare for all, well, there won't be any other option. They will have eliminated all options. Some of you only have one option at this point. Anyway, he is the chief counsel for the American Center for uh, Law and Justice. Jay Sekulow is with us, also chief counsel for the president, longtime friend of the program. Um, Can you name an instance where socialism and the nationalizing of the economy ever worked well for people? No, it it doesn't work. And here's the, I think, the reality. You just gave the litany of, of, of the progressive left that are running for president of the United States that are supporting this. And I don't know whether they actually support it or they're just afraid not to. It could be that as well. But the fact is that they're, they're mouthing it. They're saying it. It's absurd. And look, look at Venezuela. Look, I mean, you could look at Cuba, which ended up being communist, of course. But the, the idea that socialism, look at, look at England immediately after. The NIH. Yeah, right. that, that's so another example. The problem, with, the problem is, and it's not just the, the new you know, Green Deal, which is problematic in and of itself. But you take it a step further, which you didn't have to go too far today. So now what do we have? This morning we have the, the, the news and over the weekend of the anti-Semitism of the hard progressive left. And what are they saying? Well, you know, you got uh, the congresswoman saying Jews and money, basically. I mean, not basically. She said it's all about the Benjamins in refer- reference to APAC. APAC, um, which is a Jewish organization, right? Yeah, by the way, the rise of anti—you're talking about Congresswoman Omar. This is now. Yeah. There's a series of inst- incidences, Jay, of her, you know, flagrant anti-Semitism, and we just also found out earlier today, and I'm pretty sure you've heard about this, but um, as Nancy Pelosi's trying to put out the, you know, anti-Semitic dumpster fire started by. One House Democrat, it's been discovered another of Pelosi's Democrats has a previously unknown tie to uh, radical racist anti-Semite Louis Farrakhan. And that's Rashid uh, Tlaib wrote an op-ed in the final call, The Nation of Islam, uh, where she praises Farrakhan, whose history is unapologetic anti-Semitism. I, this is what I cannot, for the life of me, understand. So you got you got Farrakhan, a known anti-Semite, not just anti-Israel, an anti-Semite. We also know that their statements about other minority groups, and you can name the group, are horrific. And yet, some of these same members are marching with them. And you saw that in the so-called Women's March. Well, the Jewish community pretty much pulled out of that. Why? Because of the anti-Semitism of one of the leaders, Linda Sassor. So what you really have happening here, in my view, is this hard push to the left, which what's interesting is I'm, it also is anti their own base. Because if you look at the base of the Democratic Party, look what's happening in Virginia right now. I mean, you, you got the governor this weekend 
now he's saying he's calling slavery indentured servants, as if that gives it a better veneer. I mean, this is this, the whole idea of what's happened here should be sending shockwaves through the entire political spectrum, right, left, center. If this is who the new parties are, if this is where the part, well, the Democratic Party, for instance, is going, I shudder to think what that means for our country if they were to get power. Well, let's stay in Virginia for just a minute. One minute, you have one House Democrat, Al Green, wanting to impeach President Trump for Virginia's Democrats' blackface scandals. That's from the Washington Times. Uh, We also have USA Today that the governor referring, as you said, to slaves as indentured servants, which is beyond, it was frankly insulting. Unbelievable. And and at a level that takes your breath away. And now we have a second sexual assault claim against the Politico, but very few people saying, I believe these women like they did in the Kavanaugh case. Well, look, here's what here's what's happened. You, 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 uh, we wish these were just outliers. Unfortunately, it's not. And then when you add to it, which I don't think you can, no one can ignore, the anti-Semitism of the weekend, the anti-black statements of the Virginia governor and evidently the Virginia attorney general, uh, then you, and you put the whole situation with the lieutenant governor, it's a whole different situation. And then you, you put on top of that, and this is what's troubling to me, Sean, all of this in this veneer of progressive and all-encompassing, and we're going we're gonna to eliminate uh, steak, we're going to eliminate aircraft. I mean, I thought it was uh, – you know, how, how, and how do the senators from uh, Hawaii exactly get to Washington, D.C.? But, no, they're going to build a high-speed train in ten. Their web, website. They're going to build yeah. a high-speed train in ten years. Yeah, which okay, all all wonderful, not happening, not reality, and people are buying it. And here's what happens: I think Bernie Sanders captured Bernie Sanders captured the Democratic Party last time, and now he's a moderate. That's really what it is. Bernie Sanders within their own party now was like it was a socialist. Is a moderate, right? Well, I, I mean, he's probably going to be pushed out. You're right. I mean, he's going to be pushed out by the hard left. Um, but they all seemingly now want to outdo each other. What happens to, like, crazy Uncle Joe, Howard Schultz? It looks like Bloomberg wants to jump in this. What happens to I, I those people? They, they can, I don't think they can get I don't think they can get the momentum. I mean, Bloomberg would have the money. Joe Biden would have, a, I think, a network. But I don't think they're going to get the galvanized support. I don't think they're going to get the, the – that's not where the grassroots is. They're, I just don't see it. So I think you're looking at a situation – I believe that you're looking at a situation where it's more likely that the party goes – the Democratic Party goes to this hard left unless Nancy Pelosi, which is even – you can't even believe I'm saying this – curtails it. And when I say curtails it, curtail it means not just condemn what this congresswoman said about Jews – but actually take action, whether it's off of committees, a censure, whatever it might be. And we haven't we haven't even gotten into the issue of infanticide. Why? Why now we're up to seven states and the United States Senate won't protect a child that's born alive after an abortion uh, is botched. Progressive European countries don't allow this. But we have seven countries, seven states in the United States that do. But, you know, it's interesting that that whole issue kind of launched all this other stuff. And um, because it, you, you're peeling back the veneer of what this really is, these these uh, these programs which have no regard for the the unborn child zero. I mean, and the ex- explanation the governor of Virginia gave, who's a pediatric neurologist, was was breathtaking. What he said, you know, we'll let the baby be born and then we'll decide what to do. Uh, well, no, he said um, we'll deliver the baby. 
We'll make sure that the baby's comfortable. Baby's comfortable. This is a human soul living outside right. the womb. It's an individual right. now. And, and then, we'll then the mother will we'll let the mother decide whether or not the, we resuscitate the baby if it gets in distress. And then we'll have a meeting. Just tea and right. crumpets. I don't know. Well, no, it's so, but but this is their, the, when they go to these extremes, it brings out the other extremes. I mean, I have been litigating these cases for 30 and 40 years. And it what happens is it's one thing and it's like you pull the cord and everything starts unraveling. So here it was the extreme pro-abortion position they took. You pull that cord up and everything else starts unraveling within days. And now within a two week period, we've gone from that to the Virginia, you know, racism to the anti-Semitism of today, all within the same side, all within the same wing. And you ask yourself, why do they think the American people will buy this? But you know what? There is a percentage that will, and that's the scariest part. Well, the scary part is, I guess, when you look at our tax system now, it's a progressive system. When you have 20% paying 90% of the bill, the bottom 50% pay less than 2%, you already have redistribution. But then you talk about, somebody like Elizabeth Warren and a wealth tax, she wants to come back and t- if, if if after you pay your 60 in New York, if you pay your federal taxes, your state income taxes, your city of New York income taxes, the highest property taxes in the country, you know, you're down about 30 cents of every dollar you get to keep. Now, if you right. keep that 30 percent and the number gets too high, Elizabeth Warren wants to come in, legalize stealing and go in and take another bite at the apple, but that's not the last bite. Then they'll come back in when you die and take another 40%. The estate. The estate tax, the death tax, and then 10% in the state of New York. My my accountant always says, don't die in New York. I said, believe me, I'm going to try not to. Right. Well, but this is the problem. So whether it's, whether it's the racial overtones, the anti-Semitism, the abortion issue, taxes, they've taken this position. And I think this is what they think is, I mean, obviously someone within that, side of the political sphere thinks this is working. And so the Bernie Sanders, which is hard for me to even say this, and the Joe Bidens are too moderate. And does the party, does the Democratic Party decide to go this very aggressive left, which I think they've already made that decision? And where does that take the country? And I don't, I think the country rejects it at the end of the day. I, I do not think the United States of America is going to, but the fact that if we, if we don't reject it, the issue of socialism, it, yep. it will, it, we will end up as we'll end up in poverty. You know, we now have more energy resources available, produce more energy than Saudi Arabia and Russia. And we've only begun to tap into the natural gas resources we have. And think of all the wars that have been fought over the lifeblood of any economy, which is energy. All right, we'll continue. Uh, We'll ask Jay Sekulow on the other side, uh, as the counsel for the president, uh, what the latest is on the so-called Mueller report. All right, as we continue with uh, Jay Sekulow, American Center for Law and Justice, Chief Legal Counsel, also Counsel of the President. Uh, so I have Greg Jarrett and John Solomon. There's been a lot of revelations yep. uh, in the last number of weeks about how everybody knew that Clinton paid for the dossier. They know that it was never verified or corroborated. So many people signed off on the FISA applications knowing this and having been told this. But with that said, that hasn't been investigated, but we have the Russia investigation with Mueller against the president. Where are we with that? Well, look, I mean, a lot of a lot of people are thinking it's at the end. I think that I, I've never called a date. You know that, Sean. We've been talking about this for a year and a half, and I never said next week it's done, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I've never, I've had colleagues of mine that have said it's over with by a certain date. But I do think it's in the last phases. I, I expect, and I think most people expect that 
this is wrapping up. You got a little hint of it, I think, from Adam Schiff saying that he didn't think Bob Mueller went far enough on business-related issues, as if, hey, by the way, how yeah, would well, Adam Schiff know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. how would Adam Schiff I, I, know? I mean, and, and by the way, right, Adam right. Schiff... So Adam Schiff doesn't know, but the fact is, that's not the, the scope and nature of what um, Bob Mueller's charge was. So... But but it tells you something that you know the expectation level I think has been is dropping a bit as to what's going to actually come out of this. So look, I think we're near the end. I think we'll see it some aspect, and I don't know. You know, there, there is a specific regulation in place that the Department of Justice has on how this report is handled, and I am sure and confident that the incoming Attorney General will follow the rules and regulations. That's what he testified to, and. The question will be, and that's the question in everybody's mind, is what will be released and what will not be. And that's going to depend on the nature of what's in the report and how it's classified or classification issues as far as uh, security issues, uh, Article 2 issues. But I am, you know, I, I, I suspect that we are near the ending phase of it. I don't give a date, but I think it's near the ending phase. All right, Jay Sekulow, as always, thanks for being with us. When we come back, uh, an article by John Solomon, how the real collusion was with the Democratic Party, Uranium One, and the bought-and-paid-for dossier that was used to propagandize everybody. That's next, and our news roundup and your calls coming up final hour today. All right, 25 uh, now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN is our number. lot happening, Democrat imploding. You know, I called last year the year of the boomerang, but I think the boomerang, as it relates to this phony, lying Russia witch hunt, This is going to be an even bigger year, just based on what I know is out there and what will become at some point, probably sooner than later, public knowledge. And John Solomon and and Greg Jarrett have been at the forefront of a lot of this. Uh, There's an updated version, by the way. The paperback has just come out in, in Greg's book, The Russia Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton Framed Donald Trump with a new updated information in it. And John Solomon at TheHill.com has written the case for Russia collusion against the Democrats. Now, let's just go back and remember all that was done here. Hillary, private server. Hillary obstructs justice, deletes, bleach pit, acid wash, hammers, etc. Hillary pays for, uses funneled money, law firm, to a op research firm to a foreign national who hates Donald Trump. His name is Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele gets phony Russian uh, so-called intel on Trump, puts these things together, series of dossiers known as the dossier, and then that is used and weaponized, even though we now know in August of 2016, Bruce Orr told everybody at the Department of Justice, everybody at the FBI, that Christopher Steele hates Donald Trump. None of this is verified. None of this is corroborated. And Hillary paid for it. Now, just fast forward from August of 2016 to October 2016. What happens then? Oh, the bulk of information is the unverified, uncorroborated, Clinton bought and paid for dossier as the basis of a FISA warrant signed off on by people that knew it was unverified, knew that Hillary paid for it, and they never told the FISA judges in this FISA application any of this information. That would be committing a fraud on the FISA court. But this is not the only example, which goes to the point that both uh, Greg Jarrett and and our good friend John Solomon are making here. 
Let's go back to the Uranium One case. Who was the FBI director at the time? Robert Mueller. Now, don't forget, in August of 2016, his pitbull, Andrew Weissman, was one of the people briefed on the dossier being bought and paid for by Clinton. So that was in his head as he's working for the special counsel the whole time. But on the Uranium One deal, the FBI director happens to be Robert Mueller. Well, Putin has his operatives inside America. We identify them. We have an undercover agent by the name of William Campbell. He gets into Putin's network. He's chronicling back to the FBI bribery, extortion, kickbacks, money laundering. And yet still that deal got done as Hillary Clinton and others sign off on the CFIUS board to allow the Uranium One deal to happen. And when I interviewed William Campbell, here's what he said. Your life's at risk. You see Russians have infiltrated the United States of America. They're living within America. And at some point you became aware that Russia wanted to get a foothold in the uranium industry and that they were going to look at this this conglomeration known what we now know as Uranium One, and that deal was going to give them that foothold if, in fact, it was approved by nine government agencies. Yes, sir. There was no question about it. Yeah. And the FBI knew that? The Bureau knew it. Uh, the Uranium One position was a part of a long-term strategy, a four-tier strategy by the Russians. Did these Russian criminals, Putin operatives, when Hillary was Secretary of State, Barack Obama's the president, and again, you're, you're there when they first get into office, did they express any specific Clinton strategy, how to get her on board, or did they express any Obama strategy? This was a criminal investigation of people that I had reported, and yes, the Russians and the United States conspirators I was working with stated the Clintons were implicated. But that was not the focus of what I was doing. And I did not believe until Uranium One approval actually happened that the indications from these Russians were solid about the Clintons influencing that decision. Were they telling you that they had confidence that Clinton would sign off on this deal? Absolute confidence. Did they have confidence that Obama would sign off on this deal? They were quite sure that Obama and the administration who they had deemed and and labeled as being very weak multiple times would respond favorably. Do you think, did you conclude, what what is their possible motivation for people not to do their job at this high level. This is key to America's national security. It was political, and they believed that Hillary Clinton would be elected president. Uh, they were gun shy, they were political, uh, and they, they turned their back on the country, in my opinion. All right, Greg Jarrett joins us, as well as John Solomon. Greg, we'll start with you. Congrats on the paperback with a new chapter in your book. Uh, the Russia hoax. But um, on multiple levels, I think the title for your book and John's article, The Case for Russia Collusion Against the Democrats, is right. right on the money. And this is another example. It's a crime to use your public office, Secretary of State, to confer a benefit to a foreign government in exchange for money. She uh, helped approve the sale of 20 percent of America's uranium, and her foundation simultaneously was getting $145 million from Russian sources connected to Uranium One. Her husband delivers a speech in Moscow at that time and gets paid a half a million dollars. Uh, so instead of investigating Donald Trump, uh, Robert Mueller should have, back when he was FBI director, 
been investigating uranium one and corruption with respect to Hillary Clinton. John Solomon, you've made the similar case, but with all of this information out there and available, and if they really cared about Russian interference, all of this would have come up by now rather than, you know, pre-dawn raids, uh, selective pre-dawn raids for people that lie to Congress, but not people if you're a Democrat or uh, in the Obama administration. Only Roger Stone gets that or Paul Manafort gets that. You know, it's interesting. As you talk to some of the Republicans who have looked at this for the last two years, uh, they're beginning to develop a theory that maybe the Glenn Simpson operation was a deflection operation designed to deflect from all the Russia culpability, all the Russia uh, baggage that the Clintons had. And let's, uh, Greg just mentioned that uh, uh, half million dollar uh, speech that Bill Clinton got. Let's look at the two people he asked to meet when he was in Russia picking up that half million dollar check. The first uh, was Victor Vexelberg, somebody who was directly <clears throat> related to a project Hillary Clinton was working on that I'm going to talk about in a second called uh, um, it was a, a Silicon Valley for uh, Russia, and it was an extraordinary uh, effort, and she put all of her effort into getting U.S. companies to go over to this place and start to develop Skolkovo. And when she got uh, a few years later, what did we find out about that effort? It was being used by the Russians to steal information from U.S. technology companies, U.S. defense contractors. So it became a security risk. Who's the second person that Bill uh, Clinton wanted to meet on that trip? He wanted to meet a guy named Arkady Vukovich. He was on the board of Rosatom, the very company who was waiting. Oh, slow down. Waiting. Bill Clinton sought yeah. the, her, his own wife's State Department's permission to meet with the Russian nuclear official during the Obama uranium decision. He did. And not only, well, he didn't meet with that guy, but he got a better bet. He met with Putin at the time. He actually met with That's Putin. Right. He got, he got right to the top of it. But you can see in his targeting as he's going on the trip, he's targeting two separate Russians who have a direct interest in two decisions that Hillary Clinton was directly involved in that ultimately raised questions about national security implications. So you got, uh, you've got Uranium One, which we now know uh, that great story and everything that Doug Campbell told us. But you also have this other Skolkovo. This is a, one of Hillary Clinton's prized uh, efforts in Russia to try to get a Silicon Valley in Russia. And what is to do, it ends up compromising American security, according to the FBI and according to the uh, so he gets, uh, U.S. Army. He gets triple his speaking fee, Greg Jarrett, and <laughs> yeah. they got how much money kicked back? $45 million. In other words, by the players of the Uranium One deal. That's right. Right into the Clinton Foundation, which Bill and Hillary Clinton were using as their personal private piggy bank. How come that? How do the Clintons always get away with it? Because the FBI and the Department of Justice were in the bag for Hillary and Bill Clinton. Well, will the new Attorney General do his job? Because uh, I hope so. have the statute of limitations now. Some, are they, uh, some of the statutes have run, but not all of them have run. If there is a serious and legitimate investigation of Hillary Clinton. And whether it be Uranium One or her foundation or all of them, uh, then this will be evidence presented to a grand jury for potential indictment. Yeah. You know, and the question is, you know, we've gone all this way. And I know that people you you're one of them, John, you you actually think that Mueller is just going to come up with a sort of milk toast kind of report. And I'm not sure why you think that based on his actions. I mean, look, Mueller was in court on Friday. What was he in court for? You know, saying they support a federal judge slapping a gag order on Roger Stone um, and, you know, saying that there was a substantial likelihood that extrajudicial 
uh, comments by trial participants will undermine a fair trial. I thought we have freedom of speech in America, and if Roger Stone wants to defend himself, why wouldn't he be allowed to do that? Well, let me tell you what I have been saying about, about uh, Robert Mueller. I think it is highly unlikely that Robert Mueller will conclude that there was collusion between the Trump campaign and uh, Russia. And that's the, that was the central question that he was asked to investigate. And if he clears the president on that, the primary thing he was set out to, to do will now be obviously the American public. Why do I think that? Devin Nunez clearly has said that after an exhaustive investigation. And then last week, Richard Burr, the Senate Intelligence Committee chairman, said the exact same thing. So on the big question that Robert Mueller uh, was given, if he clears the president, that is a very big moment. If he Do you agree with that, Greg I, I absolutely agree with John, except that in the report, uh, Mueller and his team of partisans will likely peddle a bunch of stories to create the appearance of a circumstantial evidence of collusion, not with respect to Donald Trump, but people in his orbit. Now, there won't be any charges against those people for collusion, but Mueller will try to offer a pablum to the rabid anti-Trump media and Democrats. So armed with that, they can use it as a pretext to try to impeach Trump. Stay right there. We'll continue more with Greg Jarrett and John Solomon as Hannity Watch on the Deep State continues. All right, as we continue with John Solomon and uh, Greg Jarrett, well, there's, you now have a competitor for your paperback, which was just released, and that is apparently uh, Andrew McCabe has now written a brand new book, <laughs> uh, and it's called The Threat, How the FBI Protects America in the Age of Terror and Trump. And I'm thinking uh, he was uh, let go as deputy FBI director for what reason? Lying. Lying. <laughs> so and who's going to read a book? by a guy who was fired for lying and who's under criminal investigation for not one, two, or three, but four separate lies. I, I dare say that James uh, Andrew McCabe is going to need the money from whatever books he peddles to pay for his defense. Well, I mean, and he also claims in this book that Rod Rosenstein didn't want to write the memo. Wrong. Rosenstein volunteered to write the memo recommending the firing of James Comey for just cause. McCabe gets it wrong so often that it's really astonishing that he manages to think with that brain of his. Yeah. And John Solomon, I mean, this is getting interesting because James Comey, if look, if we're going to have equal justice and equal application of our laws, uh, I would say that people like James Comey, Page and Strzok, how many others would be Hillary Clinton? Certainly. Oh, a dozen at least. A dozen other people would be would would have that pre-dawn raid with amphibious vehicles and seals in the in the backyard and, and frogs in the water and uh, artillery trucks outside uh, and SWAT teams emerging, you know, at, at a pre-dawn raid for a guy that doesn't have a gun or a passport. Roger Stone for a process crime. Yep. Well, listen, it's uh, when you go out to the real world outside of the Beltway and you go to Kalamazoo, Michigan, or you go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, people are amazed that people like James Comey and uh, Andrew McCabe, who, who recklessly ran the FBI, we had a period of time where the FBI was incredibly dysfunctional, and they're allowed to profit from that dysfunction by by publishing tell-all books. And I think, they have, which as Greg just pointed out, have some factual errors to go with them. It's, it's really extraordinary that people could have such a bad tenure atop the FBI be fired for it, uh, to have the firings upheld by the Inspector General of the Justice Department. 
and then go out and be able to make a profit off of that sort of performance. I think when people look at Washington, the swamp, as Donald Trump has called it, these are the sort of anecdotes that drive people nuts. Why can't we have competent people? Why can't incompetent are, people be punished? Are, you're more confident that, that, that real justice is going to be, at the end of the day, it's going to take place. Greg, you're not as confident. No, I, you know, I've, I've been around Washington too long, and uh, politics interferes with the rule of law and its proper enforcement. Um, injustice occurs Never more like often this. than justice. The case for Russia collusion against the Democrats, it's on thehill.com. Greg Jarrett's uh, book, The Russia Hoax, now out in paperback. It's on Hannity.com. Thank you both. When we come back, all the other news we haven't gotten to, News Roundup, Information Overload, is next as we continue. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup, information overload. Um, our main focus in and theme is, I said this after the election in November. By the way, glad you're with us. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. I promise this uh, hour we're going to be getting to your calls. I just keep watching. I told friends, wait for 100 days. In 100 days, the American people will conclude that they have elected for the U.S. Congress the biggest bunch of nuts and extremists this country's ever ever seen before. My only problem is I didn't think it would happen this quickly. Everything I warned about before the election, the midterm, and, I, and all this narrative, oh, Donald Trump got killed in the midterm, it's just not true, especially... The first midterm of Bill Clinton, oh, he lost eight Senate seats and 52 House seats. You know, you look at uh, Obama lost six Senate seats and, oh, that's right, 63 House seats. And I don't know what the final tally, 39 House seats and the and this president picked up Senate seats. So uh, it's amazing the media and their analysis of all this, but especially like this Green New Deal and all of the all the push now, you know, rich pay their fair share, pay their fair share. Pay. I want a tax on wealth. We're going to eliminate all private insurance, uh, the Green New Deal. And and we're going to we're going to eliminate. We're going to nationalize every industry, the healthcare industry, education. We're going to nationalize energy in America. And even though we're going to be demolished and dead in 12 years anyway, we, we're going to do this in 10 years and we're going to eliminate airplanes in the meantime. I mean, it's and you're, whether you're willing or unable, unwilling or unable to work, you're still going to be guaranteed pretty much everything from now until the rest of your life, cradle to grave, womb to tomb. And now what's surprising is... For whatever reason, we'll start with Cory Booker. You know, all of these Democrats are now trying to do everything they possibly can to ride the coattails of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You know, we now have, you know, almost 100 people signing on to this madness. Listen to Cory Booker over the weekend. Our planet is in peril and we need to be bold. It's one of the reasons why I signed on to the resolution, a co-sponsor of the resolution for the Green New Deal. And there's a lot of people now that are blowing back on the Green New Deal. They're like, oh, it's impractical. Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, it's all of this. If we used to govern our dreams that way, we would have never gone to the moon. God, that's impractical. You see that ball in the sky? That's impractical. And when the planet has been in peril in the past, who came forward to save Earth? from the scourge of of Nazi and totalitarian regimes. We came forward. Who came forward to save the planet from, or or, or continents, from financial ruin? We came forward with the Marshall Plan. 
our history is standing up and saying, look, humanity is in crisis. America is going to be light and the hope. So what is he advocating for here? That we're going to get rid of all fossil fuels in 10 years while we are now on the verge of the biggest financial boom this country has seen in modern times. As we now have surpassed Saudi Arabia and Russia in terms of energy production and we're only touching the surface. We have two pipelines now soon to be coming online. We have Anwar now opened up. And now we're going to literally eliminate hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of high-paying career jobs for America. We're going to get rid of foreign wars and entanglements because we need to make sure that there's the free flow of oil at market prices. And, you know, when you put natural gas and our energy resources and you combine them all, oil, gas, clean coal, We've got more than we would ever need for hundreds of years. And it gives us the ability also to create stability in other parts of the world with like our European allies. You know, look at the economic numbers as we now see them. We literally are in the biggest economic boom we have ever seen in our lifetime. You know, U.S. Steel citing Donald Trump in Alabama, U.S. Steel Corp., an idled manufacturing facility in Alabama is going up and getting running again. And they are directly crediting President Trump. You know, we have the Washington Examiner, the best economic optimism this country has seen in 16 years. And also 50 percent of Americans are better off under Trump. Who are those better off Americans? Well, it mostly turns out to be Hispanic Americans, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workforce, youth unemployment and our vets. They're the ones that are prospering and All of this wealth creation we've ever experienced in this country is because of the foundational principles of our constitutional republic and our belief that freedom and opportunity is is far better than what this new Green Deal, which is really just the nationalizing of our economy. Let's call it what it is. I mean, what she is, this Green New Deal, you know, to combat climate change is is much different than what it's being proposed as. And as you look at the details of it, it gets even worse. You know, it's like a Trojan horse for bigger nationalization of the economy in every single solitary sector. For example, Kamala Harris, her call for Medicare for all, Bernie Sanders, Medicare for all. And then Kamala then outdoes Bernie by saying she would eliminate all private health care for 177 million Americans as if they didn't do enough damage under Obamacare. And not to be outdone, we've got Kirsten Gillibrand echoing Kamala Harris. And you're going to see this all throughout this year. They're going to try and out socialize one another. Here's uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, you campaigned on access to Medicare. You've signed on to Bernie's bill for yeah. a single-payer plan. Yeah. Um, one of the debates we've had recently is around what happens to private insurance. Should ending private insurance, as we know it, be a Democratic Party goal? And do you think it's an urgent goal? Oh, yeah. It is a goal and an urgent goal. Oh, it's, yeah, we got that's 177 million Americans. So what it means is they'll nationalize health care. Well, how's that worked out for the people of Canada? I read you a note last week, a friend of mine, I actually have two brain surgeon friends. Literally, they're brain surgeons. And one of them got a note from a guy in Canada, 28 years old. 
and he can't get. They told him, well, we're going to watch and wait. The guy has a tumor in his brain. And I said, well, if they wait, what's likely to happen? And he goes, oh, he'll die. And so my friend, being the generous soul that he is, invited this guy. He's not wealthy. He's not rich. To, to give to give him free the care that he desperately needs that will be life-saving for him. And I offered, I said, if I can help in any way, maybe get him a place to stay or whatever, I'll be glad to do it. But that's what's going to be happening all over the United States. Look at Great Britain, NIH. They have net socialized medicine there, too. But if you sort of have reached the age of life expectancy and you need a hip replacement or a knee replacement... They're going to factor in your age and think, well, you know, you kind of already have outlived your time and we can't afford it. And that's that's what's coming to America. What has government done in the past? More recently, Obamacare, keep your doctor plan, save money. But beyond the military, what does government do well? Because according to this new Green Deal, government's going to take over education a completely now higher education is going to be guaranteed for everybody. Second Bill of Rights. Everybody's going to be guaranteed a job at a, at a family-sustaining wage, family medical leave. Everybody guaranteed vacations. Everyone guaranteed retirement. Everyone guaranteed access to nature, clean air, water, and healthy food. Guaranteed. I can hardly wait for the, the diet that they're going to put us on. Uh, safe of everyone's guaranteed housing. How are we going to pay for that? You know, well, it's not a matter of how we pay. Every home and business in America is going to have to be rebuilt in 10 years. Well, let's start with the Freedom Tower. How long is that going to take you? Well, maybe we'll just retrofit. Maybe it wouldn't be practical. Okay, but that's not the point. Economic security for all who are unable or unwilling to work. Although, oh, we didn't mean what we said about that part. Once once we got the crap beaten out of us for that part, you know. And then they're going to get rid of meat, red meat, because the CO2 emissions from the flatulence of cows uh, is polluting the environment. And but we're not sure we could fully get rid of the cows and the airplanes that fast, but we're, we're going to try Okay, we're going to build all these high-speed trains. I can't wait to see the, the great train, high-speed train from the United States to Europe or the United States to Asia or the United States to Australia because we can't fly there anymore. So well, I guess we'll just get on a train. Okay, you're going to build the trains over the water like that? Good luck with that technology. And I'm sure it's not going to cost much at all. It's going to be really, really inexpensive for the average person to get all aboard. But don't worry, the tickets will be free. Transportation is going to be taken over. I mean, it is, you know, to ban the, the insanity is we are at a 65 year high in terms of energy production. It is the lifeblood of every economy. The wars that have been fought over energy and oil are too numerous to name. But we have all of this energy here and we have the ability not only to use it as the the force of our economy. What do you how do you think the Saudis got so rich because they had a monopoly and people in the Middle East had a monopoly on energy because you have these, you know, people in the 70s telling us a new ice age is coming so we can't drill then. Then it's global warming. We can't drill then. 
And then it's, you know, some reason or another. You can't drill. The Delta smelt prevents farmers in the Joaquin Valley in California from getting water for their crops to protect a minnow called the Delta smelt. You know, the woman in Virginia that supports the up-to-birth abortions, you know, well, the baby will be delivered, will make the baby comfortable, and the mother will decide, that whole fiasco. Well, that woman also put forth the Caterpillar Protection Act at the same time. You can't kill a caterpillar, but a woman in the process of birthing can take a fully viable child that no longer needs the mother and literally commit infanticide and murder that kid because that kid's fully formed. And now there's a race among radical Democrats to push this. By the way, 13% of Americans back Medicare for all, only 13% if it eliminates private insurance. You watch, that number's going to go up. There's a certain appeal amongst, you know, Democrats are playing on people's natural fear. Will I have enough for my, my family? Will I have enough for my kids? Will I be able to retire and, and not be in the poorhouse? This deal is insane. And Kimberly Strassel wrote a great piece about this, a blistering critique of it, saying by the end of the Green New Deal resolution and accompanying fact sheet, I was laughing so hard I nearly cried, she wrote, if a bunch of GOPers plotted to forge a fake Democratic bill showing how bonkers the party is, they would not have done a better job. It's beautiful. And she writes, the Green New Deal, pushed by AOC, attempts to radically transform the country, including rendering air travel obsolete and make the U.S. force the U.S. to rely completely on renewable energy with net zero emissions and guarantee economic security, even for people unwilling to work. Well, she pointed out in order to live up to that proposal, well, 100 percent renewable energy, a space as big as the entire state of California would have to be dedicated solely for the facilities and wind turbines and solar panels and the proposal suggestions of putting, you know, charging stations everywhere, upgrading or replacing every building and developing high-speed railway across every state may also hit a wall due to permitting laws. This is not even possible. All right, as we continue on the Sean Hannity Show. Now, if I, I believe that we have, if you believe in God, we are given dominion over the animals, but we should be good stewards and, you know, nobody wants dirty air or water, but that's not what we're talking about here. You know, Democrats now are pushing this so hard, they want to end the filibuster rule in the Senate so they can pass this new deal. That's how nuts they are for this. And, you know, if you take it a step further... You know, where is common sense in the Democratic Party? The problem they now have is they are afraid of this radical base of their own own party. They're afraid to take it on. So rather, this, you know, all the things they hit in 2018, they're now they're now exposing themselves for who they are and what they truly believe. This is the most radical, most extreme, you know, Democratic Socialist Party we've ever seen in this country. You know, the idea of Elizabeth Warren that we can, well, after we've taxed you, if you get to save anything, we're going to come back and steal some more. We're going to legalize government stealing even more. That's what they want. That's how we're going to pay for all this. And they all sound the same. And they're all trying to outdo their madness one after another. You know, single payer means guess what? That's the end of healthcare as we know it in this country. The greatest healthcare system in the world. Also, and I know the answer to this too, they say you oppose legalizing weed. 
That's not true. I know. <laughs> and, and, and look, I joke about it, half joking. Half my family's from Jamaica. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> They'd be so mad but, at you. Have you ever smoked? I have. Okay. Like and I, and I inhaled. I did, in, I did inhale. inhale. Okay. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> But, yes. I know you have to go. They say you have to go. I just want to. I just broke news. <laughs> I mean, was it in college? Or... Uh huh. See, see, I like stuff like that. That's a real <laughs> honest answer. Yeah. Was uh-huh. it a blunt or joint? It was a joint. Hey, yeah. you remember the high? <laughs> I do. So if it was legalized all throughout the country and medicinal, would you, you know, do it? Listen, again? I think that it gives a lot of people joy, and we need more <laughs> joy. <laughs> more joy in this world. <laughs> I discovered that it didn't make any difference whether you smoked reefer in the white classmate's sparkling new van or in the dorm room with some brother you'd met down at the gym. I spent the last two years of high school in a daze. I inhaled. It's That was uh, that was that was the point. I I, uh, I inhaled. Drank beer heavily. And tried drugs enthusiastically. I spent the last two years of high school in a daze. Did you inhale? Yeah. Well, you know, I, was, I was telling somebody asked this question. I said uh, that was the point. I inhaled. Drank beer heavily. Tried drugs enthusiastically. Ah, uh, that was this morning. I spent the last two years of high school in a daze. Mm-hmm. Having a great time. <laughs> I have to ask this question, Member Senator. You are under oath. Did you inhale? Uh, well, you know, I, was, I was telling somebody asked this question. I said uh, that, that oh, was. Oh man. Kamala Harris this morning on her weed smoking days. Uh, 800-941-SHAWN if you want to be. By the way, that's part of their agenda, too. Legalize marijuana. Um, You know, I understand it for maybe medicinal purposes. But the problem is this. Do we really want a nation of stoners? You know, is that what we want? Because, you know, in the course of my adult life, I've met people that smoke all the time. And guess what? They're not very productive. They may think they're productive, but they usually are not. And once they get caught up in that system, that's where they stay or they even go further, which is a greater danger. Um, So a party of late-term abortion, a party of wealth taxes, a party of 70 to 90 percent tax rates, a party with a rampant anti-Semitic problem now, 
a party that wants to nationalize energy, health care, education, every, pretty much every industry in the country, and is offering everybody f- for everything for free. Great. Can't wait for this to get implemented. Where do we go next? Uh, let's go to Don in Lake Ronkonkoma. What's up, Big Don? How are you, sir? Hey, Captain Hannity. Permission to come aboard. Thank you for taking my Permission call, granted, sir. Welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah, isn't, I'm telling you, Sean, isn't it pathetic to learn that about 100 Democrats are willing to support Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez in this insane Green Deal. It should be called the Green with Envy of Capitalism Deal. You know, the, the, the blessings of our founding document were endowed by our creator. Yep. With certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And everything in our system and our Constitution, our founders, our framers, they put together... Not perfect, not a perfect system. There's no such thing as a perfect people, but the system that has become and is the envy of the world in terms of wealth creation and prosperity for all. Well, all those things that you mentioned before, I mean, move America to eliminate all fossil fuels in 10 years, eliminate all air travel in 10 years, upgrade uh, all buildings in 10 years. No wonder they have only 10 years to... uh, to pull off this debacle, we only have 11 years, 11 months, and 12 days to the end of our survival, Sean. Well, apparently that's what they're saying, right? Do you know why she's uh, not confident? I don't think she's confident in this uh, Green with Envy proposal she's got. Why? Because, because she will never, she, I repeat, she will never debate you on TV or radio. I'll give her three hours of my radio show. I would look at that as like the greatest gift ever. Yeah, she would never. I'll be nice. I'll be very, you know, thoughtful and. Give her time to answer, but we're going to have a serious, serious discussion. She will never uh, debate the host of Mark, uh, Mark Levin, the great one. No, I'd love to have Mark. Him. That would be great. Or Thomas Sowell or Ted Cruz. She can't point Listen, to one socialism success. Nope. Not one. You would think, you know, one of the problems of mankind is we're supposed to, if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. But the problem is we don't learn from history. And we repeat it again and again and again. You know, if if our memories are so short, look at what the economy was like under Obama. Look at what it's like under Trump. Remember what it was like under Carter. Remember Ronald Reagan got us out of the pit. You know, we forget. And by forgetting, then we pay the price. And the last eight years before Trump, we paid a big price buying into this. Uh, Sean in South Carolina. Sean, how are you? Hey, uh, Hannity, you know, I, I've been listening to this whole uh, abortion issue, and it, it's just really got me really confused, and I need to Let, let me just correct on one that. thing. It's not an abortion issue. What, yeah, they're bringing up an infanticide issue. This is ninth month, late term, viability, and, you know, let a baby be born, and the mother decides if it lives or dies. That's different. Yeah, I, I agree. It is infanticide. But why all of a sudden are they pushing this? I mean, are, in my in my opinion, they're deliberately trying to push this back in the courts. I mean, it, uh, how, how are you not pushing it back into the courts? Because at what point does the baby get constitutional rights? You can't answer it. I can't answer it. But all of a sudden, now it's in question. But also, we're looking at a, at a situation where, unfortunately, we may have to, um, I think it's highly probable that we're going to have to put someone, Trump's going to have to, consider another seat on the Supreme Court, it, I, I don't know how we get away with that without that happening within the next six to 12 months. So why would they do that? Why would they all of a sudden, I mean, there's no question 
there is simply no question that this is murder. There's no question that it's infanticide. It has to go back in front of the Supreme Court. They know this. Why? Yeah. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This is now we're fighting for the future of freedom and liberty and the greatest standard of living in the industrialized world. That's it. There's a lot at stake here. You know, I know some people, you know, got a little tired after the last election, but it's time to re-engage because this fight has never been more serious. You know, look at the battle over the border wall. Look at the battle over health care. Look at what they want to do. Eliminate all, all, and they're bragging about it. Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand. Look at what they want to do to the economy. Look at the taxes they want to impose on people. They even want to impose taxes on money you've already paid taxes on. And they want another free bite at the apple. Why? So they can accumulate power, redistribute wealth. And in every instance throughout history, usually the wealth ends up going in the pockets of the people that make these lofty promises that are never fulfilled for the people. You know, just talk to a Canadian and ask them what they think about their single-payer system or talk to people in Great Britain. Ask them what they think of their NIH. They're not that fond of it. Most of them understand it. You know, free education. Geez, we pay more per capita per student with, like, where's 37th overall. And now they're going to take over free college. And we're going to rebuild every home. We're going to eliminate airplanes. And we're going to give up what is the single biggest source of wealth we will ever have, and that's our energy resources, which will create more wealth, more prosperity than we ever dreamed of for everybody in America. High-paying career jobs all over the energy sector. It's the lifeblood of our economy, but they want to blow it up in 10 years for no reason at all. You know, this is now bordering on insanity. Well, it is insanity. Uh, All right, let's go to Brian in Florida. Brian, how are you? Glad you called. I'm good, Sean. Thanks for taking my call again. I'm, I'm honored. What's going on, sir? Glad you joined us. Well, I have an idea. I think there's a way to bypass the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and get the wall built. Okay. If Trump gets Governor Abbott in Texas to file a state of emergency, Trump will then in turn approve and provide federal funding. And if anyone tries to file a lawsuit against that ruling, it would remain within the state of Texas and all the justices on the Texas Supreme Court. You mean to go out there preemptively and ask for ahead of time? Well, no, if, if, if uh, Governor Abbott filed a state of emergency, Trump can give him federal funding for the wall. And that would cover 65% of the border. And if anybody filed a lawsuit, it would stay. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I, I think and, if you go in and ask for a, 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 some type of judiciary ruling ahead of time, that might signal that you think you're on shaky legal ground. I wouldn't and, support that, but a, declarat- no, 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 a, a declarative judgment. But I would support what you're saying about about Governor Abbott asking that very thing. I think that's a good idea. And here's, and here's the thing. Even if it went to the federal level, it would stay in the Fifth Circuit, not the Ninth. And then once that's done, 65% of the border is secure. Then you go to Arizona. You get Governor Ducey to do the same thing. That's 20% of the border. Now 85% of the border is secure, and it never goes to a federal court because it's all local state of emergencies, not a national emergency. Yeah. No, and I, then I, the only, well, it's certainly, listen, I also think, look, for all those people that wanted the president to stay in a situation that was becoming untenable, uh, although we didn't know before that, remember, planes were going to be disrupted, people were going to walk out, it was going to impact everybody's life, and the Democrats wouldn't even sit down and talk. They were willing to literally defy dreamers, DACA uh, people and and furloughed workers just to try and hurt the president. But I told you the president's not giving up. I predict either tonight or sometime tomorrow 
he's going to declare a national emergency. And when he does, he's going to hit the ground running. He's willing to fight through the courts because if it's an emergency, you would think it gets expedited through the court system. It has to be. Uh, but even that can take four, five, six months. But it's worth the fight. This, you know, this is life and death. This is about literally defending uh, safety and security of every American. It's worth the fight. And that's why Republicans, when they, you know, this idiocy that they were proposing earlier in this, quote, bipartisan deal that, well, we're going to go after, um, well, we'll allow 16,000 beds for rapists, et cetera, and those that commit violent crimes, but not 16,001. We're only going to give you 16,000 beds, and after that point, you have to release them. A rapist? Uh, uh, somebody, a violent criminal? There shouldn't be a, a limit on how many people you keep in jail and send back and prosecute. Anyway, back to our phones. Uh, Chris, St. John's, Florida. Chris, how are you? Glad you called. Thank you, Mr. Hannity, for taking my call. Uh, I am on going to break this down to brass tacks for everybody because we're trying to get to too many steps to get the wall built. The United States Coast Guard currently resides under the Department of Homeland Security. Their budget is $10.6 billion. Since World War II, the United States has had the authority, the President of the United States, to move the United States Coast Guard under the Department of the Navy with a signature. If he does that, he has $10.6 billion under DHS to move around however he wants to build the wall. There is no court that will challenge it. It is law. It has been a Listen, I mentioned earlier in the I mentioned earlier in the program. Mike Lee uh, found a, a statute that I think holds, and what his idea was very simple. And I quoted it earlier. I won't give, get all the details in, but 10 U.S.C. 284 B. 7 seems to be the best candidate among potential sources of executive authority to build the wall because B, the types of support for agencies of the U.S., the purposes for which the secretary may provide support under subsection A for other department or agencies, federal government or state, local or tribal enforcement, uh, the construction of roads and fences and installation of lighting to block smuggling corridors across international boundaries of the U.S. And it goes on from there. And, yeah, I think there's all sorts of ways around this, and the president is looking into every one of them, I can guarantee you. And he's going to fight. I mean, all these conservatives that say he's not going to fight, I'm like, you don't know this guy like I do. And I'm telling you, he's tenacious and he's unrelenting. He's not going to stop. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. So the president is in El Paso, and he is confronting the issue of borders head on. Now, the question is, will the president declare a national emergency tonight? I would expect sometime in the next couple of days he would do that. Uh, also, we have uh, Lindsey Graham, John Solomon, Greg Jarrett, Lawrence Jones, Larry Elder. President begins his speech at 9. We'll cover a lot of it on the Fox News Channel. See you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.